Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So, You can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now. Hello, America, and happy Wednesday. We've got a great show for you. We're going to talk to two of the Freedom Caucus members that are trying to hold the line, trying to prevent Kevin McCarthy from finalizing this deal in Congress that he made with Joe Biden. Now, there are positive things of the deal, but it's not nearly as dramatic a reduction in spending as what several Republicans, certainly the Freedom Caucus Republicans, feel is needed. They feel like this is a light program for something that requires a heavy-duty cutting of the government. And if they let this go, the money's going to be spent. They'll spend right up to the limit set in this and we'll be further in the hole. Some people have talked about starting a new presidency in 2025, whether that's Joe Biden too, or Donald Trump too, or DeSantis one, or someone else, at the $36 trillion, the $36 trillion debt mark, which would be larger than our gross domestic product. Once debt exceeds your GDP, that has always been the warning sign for the solvency of the United States. And we will be well north of it if the number hits $36 trillion, as several are projecting. Now, the CBO gives a little more positive spin on this, saying that the deal does cut $1.5 trillion in 10-year spending. That's a drop in the bucket, but it's, you know, it is a reduction. Kevin McCarthy does get credit for that. But I think today what I'd like to do is have you hear why the Freedom Caucus members, the Andy Biggs, the Scott Perrys, the Eli Cranes, why they feel the urgency to cut far more in this deal, not wait for the new appropriations bill, but to cut here. We're going to kick off that conversation with Eli Crane, freshman member, the one of the few people who never voted for McCarthy. He still held out even after others capitulated for the speakership on the deals that were made in January, by the way, deals that have resulted in a lot of progress in Washington. He held out, and I think he'll explain to you today that he feared, the reason he was holding out is he feared that McCarthy would make the sort of deal he made with Biden, which in his mind doesn't go far enough, and Eli Crane's mind doesn't go far enough. So we'll start with him, then we'll turn to our frequent guest on this show, Congressman Scott Perry, Pennsylvania. He is the chairman of the House Freedom Caucus, been around a lot longer than Eli Crane, I think shares a lot of his same sentiments. And then we'll wrap up the show because it is Wednesday. And you know what Wednesday is? It's AMAC Wednesday. Our good friends at the Association for Mature American Citizens, AMAC, the single largest conservative lobby for seniors and quite frankly, for all Americans, two, two and a half million members strong. Andy Mangione, the executive vice president for AMAC Action, the grassroots arm of AMAC, is going to join us about a life-changing and market-changing 
health care bill that ironically is getting bipartisan support. Republicans and Democrats agree on it. It is sailing through Congress. It's called the Patient Act. You'll understand why it's important when we talk to Andy. And on that note, as we kick off today's show, I want to remind you of something that's very important. And that is, we have a partnership with AMAC. I love AMAC so much. I joined and made a five-year membership commitment. The benefits are off the chart. You get incredible discounts on hotels and services. You get offers, exclusive offers for insurances and other products. You get daily political intelligence and news. You get an incredible podcast, a monthly must-read magazine. And you get to be part of a group of Americans who share your values and work together to get things like the Patient Act passed. We'll explain that later in the show. But that is satisfying. AMAC puts together election observers. They do all sorts of amazing things to support this country and make this country better at a time when there are perilous problems threatening this great constitutional republic. So if you want to join, I want to challenge you right now. I'll challenge you a couple of times over the course of the show on this Match my five-year membership commitment. I bought a five-year membership to AMAC. It's inexpensive because you're going to get a discount when I give you the URL that you're going to use for Just the News. It'll pay for itself in the first few weeks. The first couple of times you use your, your discount card, you're already going to pay your membership cost for the whole five years. And then you're going to enjoy more returns on investment that continue to pay and save money and the satisfaction of working together with the AMAC Army, people who share your values to make this country better, whether it's on health care with the Patient Act, whether it's on the border, whether it's on getting rid of ESG and other woke investing tactics that re- may repress your return on investments. All of that is the opportunity of reward you get from AMAC. So how are you going to join? How are you going to match me on the five-year membership? It's very simple. Go to amac.us, A-M-A-C, dot us slash just news amac.us slash just news get started there let them know that i sent you and that you're supporting them because they support us now that is my pitch for the day and it's a very important one i want you to take it seriously we're going to have congressman eli crane followed by congressman scott perry followed by andy mangione the head of the amac action grassroots army but before i do that i want to call attention to one story that we had overnight. As you know, when John Durham's report came out a few weeks ago, he revealed that there were four FBI investigations of Hillary Clinton and the Clinton Foundation alleging corruption and bribery and other hideous things, and all four got shut down by the leadership under James Comey and Andy McCain. All four were shut down in the midst of the 2016 election. And it does not appear that they were fully investigated. Well, that revelation has resurrected an old case that's been kicking around in the U.S. tax court. There are two whistleblowers, John Moynihan, a former DEA agent, one of the best money laundering experts in the country, and a colleague of his. They filed a whistleblower complaint back in 2017 and 2019. 2020, they testified before Congress. In 2021, they began winning cases against the IRS, alleging that the IRS had not done a good enough job investigating the Hunter Biden case or bringing it to attention, maybe not even acknowledging to the court the evidence it had. Well, yesterday, the judge, uh, in what's kind of been dormant, it's been kind of sitting on a motion to dismiss for quite some time, the judge in the case, U.S. Tax Court Judge Gustafson, said, hey, guys, I want you to file new motions on, on this case. Get it to me by the end of June, end of July, because there's some new court rulings that suggest the IRS could be held accountable here. And, of course, there's the Durham stuff. 
which confirms what these IRS whistleblowers have been saying all along, that the IRS and FBI had one or more cases against the Clinton Foundation that didn't get to be seen through to completion. So go check that story. It's a very powerful story. It's been trending at number one all day on the website. It's a very important story about an old case, a whistleblower case, an IRS whistleblower case against the Clinton Foundation getting new life in the aftermath of the John Durham report, in the aftermath of some new precedent-setting rulings from the U.S. Tax Court. U.S. Tax Court judge says, it's time to reinvigorate this case. Go check that out. All right, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, Eli Crane up next. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. Hey folks, it's John Solomon here. Today, I want to shine a light on AMAC, an organization who's dedicated to America's seniors, but is vital for conservatives of all ages. AMAC stands out by not only advocating for senior issues, but also by pushing for conservative values that affect us all. By joining, you're not just supporting our senior citizens, you're part of a movement defending the freedoms that made this country great and to ensure that we secure our nation's future. Plus, membership brings you exclusive benefits like discounts on travel, dining, and entertainment, and of course, special insurance rates, one of the things I like. Regardless of your age, if you're driven to preserve freedom, AMAC welcomes you. This is about uniting youthful vigor with the wisdom of experience and our quest to keep this country great. Sign up now for amac.us slash justnews. And for a limited time, you get a free gift membership for someone else who shares your love for our great nation. Don't miss out on this chance to make a difference from AMAC. Join today at amac.us slash justnews. That's amac.us slash justnews. And extend the invitation to a friend or family member for free. What a great opportunity. All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. If you've been on Twitter the last 24, 48 hours as this extraordinary budget battle is playing out in Washington, you might have seen a hashtag that's been trending, hashtag hold the line. Well, our next guest has been one of the leaders of the hold the line resistance, trying to get a better deal than the one that Kevin McCarthy and Joe Biden struck over the weekend. He has been a voice of sanity since he came into the Congress back in January. He has already made a huge mark as a freshman. Joining us right now, Congressman Eli Crane from the great state of Arizona. Congressman, great to have you back on the show. Hey, John. Thanks for having me on, brother. I appreciate it. Well, you are such an important voice and a fresh voice in Washington. And I think a lot of people in the Republican Party are saying, listen, the best we're going to get is what we did with McCarthy. Let's just get it over with and do it. You're not one of those. And you're up there with Mike Lee and Rand Paul and Ted Cruz and the Freedom Caucus folks. There's a better deal to have been had here, isn't there? 
There 100% is, and thank you for even uh, listing me with those other names of guys that have been fighting uh, up here a lot longer than me. Um, there is a much better deal. And, uh, you know, the fact of the matter is, John, the fact just watching the machine in action, they go in, they make a horrible deal, and then they come back and they try and sell it not only to the conference but then to the American people as some historic bill with historic cuts in it Meanwhile, if you look at it, you know, it's it's $4 trillion at least adding $4 trillion onto our national deficit. And here's here's one thing I want the American people to understand, John. If this is so historic, John, why are 100 Democrats going to be voting for it? That should tell the American people right there what this bill is all about. I want to ask the American people, if, if, if 100 Democrats voted on for anything in 2023, what are the chances that it's a good deal for the American people? Pretty slim, okay? And, this, and John, I, I want to bring this point up because when I was listening to the speaker talk about trying to sell um, the bill that we ended up passing out of the House, which it was actually a pretty decent bill. Right. If you go back and you listen to his messaging, John, he continued to say, hey, if you got a, if you got a kid in your family that continually runs up the credit card, you know, do you just do you just keep raising the limit? No, give it back to them and, and increase <laughs> yeah. it. No, you don't do no. that. No parent, no parent would do that. No parent would do that. No employer would do that with one of their employees that had a company credit card. But what did he go do? He he basically went and negotiated a deal for four trillion more dollars and basically left out the vast majority of everything that we had in 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 our bill. And it's just like it, it's frustrating, John. But the reason that I'm I'm hashtag hold the line is because I didn't come up here to promote the status quo. I didn't come up here to fall in line. I came up here because we're losing this country. We are losing this country and it, it, it pains me to see it, John. And so it, it is inherent on those of us that have been trusted to represent the American people that we hold the line and we fight against this town and we fight against getting sucked into this town because that's what happens to the vast majority of people up here. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. I want to remind people why for you preserving this country is so important. You left college to go join the Navy SEALs, right? Right after 9-11, you, you felt that calling it. You, you left college and you just went right in to serve this country. You did, what, four or five war deployments, right? SEAL Team 3 and others. This is personal for you, and it seems like for a lot of the members of Congress, it's just another transaction, right? It's just, oh, we'll go one thing, we'll move on tomorrow, we'll do something else. But this is something far different for you, right? It's not just a transaction. It's really setting the compass for the future of this country at this incredible moment in history, right? It most certainly is, John. And that's why it's so hard to watch. Even people that I love and care about who just go along with leadership like Lemmings, and just drink the Kool-Aid because this isn't just, you know, this isn't just a number four with a, you know, a T next to it, $4 trillion. When you, when you start, when you start parsing this out and unpacking it, this is somebody not being able, you know, this is the next generation not being able to own a home or a car or to be able to go on a vacation because we continue to print money that we don't have. And inflation is going to keep skyrocketing because, People in this town can't figure it out or they're so corrupted and co-opted by the establishment and leadership that they won't do what's right for the American people. 
um, and they fall in line with the chain of command, and that is leadership in this town. Yeah, uh, there's no doubt. They all uh, they all jumped in the nearest foxhole and stopped firing. There's no doubt about that. Now, I want to pivot for a second because one of the amazing things about Navy SEALs is the plan, lead, and learn philosophy. And if something changes in the environment rapidly, you, you're trained to adapt, to make the best of the situation and try to pivot. So let's take the worst case scenario for you, which seems to be the likely case scenario right now, which is Democrats cross over with Republicans and this bill gets through and the ceilings are set. There's two ways one could look at the 1% cap on this is one, it's the goal, right? We're going to spend up that limit. Another is it's the ceiling and we can come way under it. What will you and your colleagues do to try to make sure that you don't hit the 1%, maybe you come in 3 4 5% below it and really make a dent? Because between now and October 1st, there's going to be a requirement to get the approach bills. I assume you already have a counteroffensive. You've already adapted and are working on a counteroffensive for the fall. Yeah, you know, John, because we haven't even voted on this bill yet, um, I'll be honest, my, I, I, I'm pretty focused on trying to stop this bill today. But and I know that I, I heard some Republicans pounding their chest last night in the conference meeting that we had after votes as they were talking about, oh, we're, you know, this is just one one step. Then we're going to we're going to hit it in appropriations. I don't think anybody that understands this town really believes that, you know, basically the argument is, hey, we're not going to fight. We're not going to fight for a good deal today. We're not going to hold the line today, but we will tomorrow. By God, we will tomorrow. I, I don't think that anybody really you know, who, who isn't just straight up drinking the Kool-Aid believes that. So um, I'm not going to believe it either. What I, what I will tell you, John, is I will continue that, you know, and I know, you know, my colleagues and I um, will continue to try and hold the line and we will do it in every, you know, every session, every vote that we possibly can. Um, How that turns out, I can't tell you, but um, I'm not, I'm not too uh, convinced when I hear, members of this conference, you know, talk about holding the line in appropriations after they fold time and time again in crucial votes. Yeah, uh, it, it seems like the only option will be left of tomorrow if this goes that way. But there's always that adaptation. And it would be interesting to see because there are so many low-hanging fruit areas where cuts could have been made in advance of this deal. I mean, things that people would never notice government missing from, but it would notice it in the bottom line. And none of them have been really tackled yet. Uh, It'll be interesting to see if there is a recoupment in the summer and fall to try to get something done. Again, not to yield now, but to at least plan ahead. I want to turn because you sit on the Committee on Homeland Security. And that's, uh, and of course, you have this incredible counterterrorism experience having fought on the front lines of the war on terror. Over the weekend, there was a pretty strongly worded bulletin that Justin News got a hold of from the Homeland Security Department. All local law enforcement got it, all federal law enforcement. It said there's a heightened threat of terrorist attacks, specifically on churches, on police, like we're seeing down in the Atlanta Law Enforcement Training Center right now, and on federal installations. And went through the threat matrix, particularly ISIS and Al-Qaeda being uh, in some ways reconstituting themselves. And I kept thinking, it's kind of ironic the Homeland Security Department would be putting this warning out when its own strategy has left the border wide open and any terrorist who wants could swim across it. Is there a disconnect between the very legitimate warning? By the way, I think the warning is based on good intel and the daily reality that the border is so insecure that terrorists could just waltz across. Yeah, you know, there there is, John, and it's it's a it's a disconnect, all right. It's a disconnect from complete reality. 
Um, and th- many of us have been screaming about this for a long time, uh, being the canary in the in the coal mine. And you know, when we get a chance to confront Secretary Mayorkas or even my Democratic colleagues who continue, you know, continue to focus on white supremacy solely um, as the driver for everything evil in this country. And, and I know that sounds kind of crazy, maybe to some of your your listeners. Like, what is what is Eli talking about when he's why why would he bring up white supremacy? Because when I'm in these when I'm in these committee hearings for Homeland Security and we're they talking, got a script, to talk don't they? about how how we yeah how we secure the border. This is like ninety percent of what they talk about. It's how you know the big. Why are we talking about this? We should be talking about white supremacy, um, you know, and, and and domestic terrorism. That's all they want to talk about. And so when 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 I see bulletins come out like this, John, it's no surprise to me when you when you get so politicized and so partisan that you can't you can no longer see reality anymore. These are the types of things that happen. Um, And, you know, sadly, I think so many people get institutionalized up here in this town. It's one of the reasons that you would have people who came here with conservative values being willing to vote for a a debt ceiling raise of $4 trillion. It really doesn't give us much at all. And it it is frustrating, John. I hope I never get to the point where I get so institutionalized or, or tired of fighting that I just kind of acquiesce and cave like like the rest of this town. But um, it is definitely something that's concerning. I know it's concerning to Americans. They know that that border's wide open. They know how many terrorists on on the watch list have uh, you know been contacted. They're, they're, they don't know how many have actually got away. And I, I know that's something that's very concerning to people. And now you're seeing the, the fallout or the byproduct of it in, you know, churches having to, you know, take extra security steps um, to protect their parishioners or, you know, um, their flock. Yeah. In fact, that's one of the things that Homeland talked about was they're, they're working on a program to harden their defenses because there is so much rhetoric against people of faith right now that they're likely to inspire lone wolf attacks again, like we saw in Ohio recently and other places. The Christian school in Tennessee, of course, another example where tragedy just struck a couple of months ago. A second piece of this is a speech that Chris Ray gave at the Texas A&M University just about six, seven weeks ago. Didn't get a lot of attention. We covered it because he said something very profound. It's prima facie obvious, but because no one ever talks about it, it doesn't get attention. He said that as ISIS and al-Qaeda are reconstituting themselves under Joe Biden, that his team is blind because we have no aerial surveillance, no SIGINT, no human in Afghanistan because of the way that Joe Biden exited Afghanistan and yielded everything to the Taliban. The idea that we have an open border and blindness in Afghanistan for the first time in two decades, probably not very satisfying for someone who put so much on the line himself like you did in fighting in the war on terror. No, it is, you know, it is, it is pretty sad. And uh, it just seems like the United States is on fire right now. It seems like, um, you know, our foreign policy is on fire as well. It seems like the globe is on fire right now. And it, I think a lot of it has to do with the lack of leadership. And I think a lot of Americans would agree. And, you know, it, it is, it is extremely concerning. Um, but when we, we, when we're talking about the FBI, um, that is a concern of mine, but my biggest concern with the FBI, John, is actually, you know, what, you know, they're doing here in the United States of America. 
and why why they become such a partisan tool and why aren't they cooperating with the investigations and the oversight authority of Congress. And it's just, you know, it, it's gotten to the point where guys like myself who grew up, you know, um, you know, wanting to serve my country, whether in law enforcement or the military, I actually studied criminology in college and, um, no you know, I wanted to go into, yeah, I wanted to go into law, law enforcement, enforcement and then it ended up, you know, taking a much bigger upgrade and trying out for the SEAL teams. No, no offense to my, my brothers who are cops out there. Little trash talk to lighten the mood a little bit, but you know, I'm just, I got a chance to, uh, to question, uh, a pretty high ranking member of the FBI, a deputy in the FBI, uh, I think it was last week. And one of the things I asked her was, you know, what she thought about the whistleblowers from her organization that were risking everything. They were putting their entire lives, their livelihood on the line to be up here, blowing the whistle in Congress because of what that organization has turned into. And she sat there not not really surprisingly and looked me in the eye and told me that, you know, she she didn't feel torn at all. She was proud to work for the FBI. She, you know, and wouldn't, you know, acknowledge any of, um, you know, what the F, basically what the FBI was doing and how they were becoming weaponized towards conservatives and anybody who um, doesn't share the current leadership in the FBI's, um, you know, uh, political agenda. And it's 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 scary, John. And I know that a lot of Americans are, you know, terrified of it. You know, people that love this country are patriotic and they never thought they'd see the day where they didn't trust, you know, some of our most premier law enforcement agencies um, that we have. Yeah, no, it really is. And it's now lost the confidence of the American people polling it clearly on that. And that's a real problem. You have to be able to trust your law enforcement to get cooperation. And there's such a distrust there. I want to talk a little bit more about your grilling of Jill Murphy, the deputy assistant director of counterintelligence. I, I thought it was one of the most extraordinary moments in this hearing last week. You also drilled in on something else, the Hunter Biden China money. It wasn't much satisfaction in her answer, but I think the questions you asked are the fundamental questions that we all have to come with, which is, is this presidency compromised and is security compromised because of the where Hunter Biden and the Biden family got its money? Your thoughts on what Jill Murphy did and didn't say during that extraordinary moment of questioning last week? Yeah, she obviously wouldn't acknowledge that anyway, because clearly, you know, and this is something I said to her, her loyalty is not to the American people anymore. It's not to the Constitution it's not to protecting Americans and, you know, our freedoms, our prosperity anymore. Clearly, it's to the FBI. And that's a that's a very strong statement, John. It's not something that I make lightly. But that being said, everybody with eyes to see and ears to hear knows that this president and his family are compromised by foreign states and foreign actors. And, you know, it's like we are starting to produce. There, there are members of this conference that have seen the receipts in Treasury, have seen the reports that have been there for years now of foreign payments to the tune of millions of dollars that this president, you know, has or his family has received from, you know, foreign countries and not not necessarily allies of the United States. And, and you, I would make the argument, you know, in some cases, enemies of the United States. And that's a massive problem, as you know, John. And, you know, and I asked her, I said, ma'am, do you do you are you aware that um, the Chinese flew a 
buy balloon over the U.S. for a week? And she said, yes, I'm aware of that. And I said, are you aware that the Chinese um, have police stations here in the United States? And she said, yes, I'm aware of that. You know, I said, are you aware, ma'am, that the Chinese are buying up farmland near military bases in the U.S.? She said, yes, I'm aware of that. And I said, are you aware of uh, the reports coming out of oversight and judiciary, um, you know, showing how much money the Biden family has been paid from, you know, uh, China and other countries? And she acted as if she had no idea. And I asked her if she was connecting the dots. And it's just like, it's so sad, John, but it's like, this isn't, you know, this, is, this isn't, um you know, we're not we're not talking about high level stuff. This stuff is so obvious and we can't even get, you know, our top law enforcement, you know, agents to admit that there's even a problem. And it's just like we're living in this dystopian land. Um, and it's you know, it's definitely uh, it's definitely concerning. It is. There was another moment where one of your colleagues, I think it was Dan Bishop, asked her if she had read the Durham report, which, by the way, highlights a lot of problems with her own counterintelligence division, right? This is actually things that her division, where she works now, she supervises the problems they made, and she said she hadn't had time to read it. Your thoughts on the idea? It seems like they have a hear no evil, see no evil, read no evil strategy at the FBI these days. Yep. No, Dan Bishop did ask that question. Um, he asked many other great questions, exposing exposing questions, and that was pretty surprising. It's like, what what are you folks doing over there? Um, if this is your department and you're not, you're not read up on, you know, the Durham report, um, it's, it's kind of baffling, John. It it really, it really is. It really is. Um, and I'm kind of at a loss for words with my frustration in that organization. Clearly this town, um, this conference, don't worry, brother, I'll bounce back, man. I'm not jumping out of this fight just yet. Uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, your your history uh, shows that. Let me ask you a quick question just about consequences real quickly. Um, let's start with Speaker McCarthy. Obviously, not happy with his leadership on such a critical issue as this. Some people have suggested maybe after this is over, they'll do a motion to vacate. Where would you fall on that, or do you think it's too premature to talk about it? You know, I think it's a little premature right now. Um you know, I want to remind you, you know, I, I know you know this, but your listeners, I never voted for Speaker McCarthy. I think that we went 15 rounds. You held the line all the way through. I didn't vote for him. And this is why well, this is one of the biggest reasons I didn't vote for him, John. And it's it's not that I don't like Kevin McCarthy on a personal level or I, I hate him or anything like that. You know, Kevin's, you know, been nice to me and, you know, even helped me at times. Um, but I didn't vote for him because I knew he wasn't a conservative. Um, and I was told uh, by several uh, members that I respect and have a lot more experience than me that this is exactly what he would do if, if we elected him as speaker. He would go, he wouldn't be able, he wouldn't negotiate good deals. He would get rolled over. Um, that's exactly my perspective on this. Um, it's interesting to, uh, you know, listen to some of the members that actually made a deal with Kevin and, and voted for him. I think they're maybe a little bit more frustrated um, just because um, I think they feel like they got duped a little bit or some of them might feel that way. The bottom line is, John, I'm focused on trying to kill this bill today. Um, would I be okay? Would I be okay um, holding Kevin McCarthy accountable? Um, you know, absolutely. I would be. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that right now because at the end of the day, 
John, this isn't about me. It's not about Kevin McCarthy. It's not about the House Freedom Caucus. It's not about the 118th Congress. It's about the fact, again, that we're losing this country and, and Republicans are maybe not as complacent, but they are very complacent in that trajectory and the downfall of this country. And, you know, those that those that are making deals that are selling out this country and our grandkids, I think, need to be held responsible. And I'll just, you know, uh, I'll just say it. So, yeah, I think that accountability is so important and it's been lacking in Washington a long time. It seems like that moment has arrived. There'll be a lot of accountability. Let me just ask you about the FBI last thing. They don't seem to want to talk about the the connection between the Bidens and the national security losses to China that we're suffering. They didn't read the Durham report. They also just were outed by the FISA court for violating the civil liberties of Americans over a two-year period 278,000 times by rifling through phone records without a warrant and without following the rules for warrantless searches. The FBI has some big asks. They want the Patriot Act to be renewed in the fall, and they want a new headquarters. They always want more funding. What will you and your colleagues do to send a message of accountability to them on those sort of issues? Well, I think that we're going to, I think you're going to see more of the same from the Freedom Caucus. I think you're going to see a continued effort to try and hold organizations like the FBI accountable. Um, That being said, um, we're always operating um, as a minority up here. Whether we'll be able to get anything done, um, you know, is yet to be seen on on that, on that front. And I know I'm not trying to, uh, I'm not trying to uh, depress your listeners at all, John. I just, you know, I'm, I'm a be big real. believer in setting expectations. I, you know, I, I can't stand politicians and representatives that, you know, get out their pom-poms and make claims that they can't back up. I'm not, I'm not one that's willing to do that. And so, um, you know, I'd love to, and, and we, 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 we actually wanted, we talked about putting that in, you know, uh, several of the, the bills that we've been working on as far as defunding their new headquarters um, I, so I haven't heard a lot of chatter as far as the, uh, the Patriot Act, uh, yet, but I'm, I think that's because we've been focused on the, uh, the debt limit, uh, increase, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if we try and, uh, due to the complete corruption and mis mismanagement, um, of, of those FISA rules and this out of control FBI, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see the Freedom Caucus you know, really try and uh, uh, remove that provision as well. And uh, it's sad too, John, because as you know, when you when you do things like that, there are good FBI agents. There are good. There, there, there. The FBI still does some good work. They I sure do. Mostly, what I hear is that the executive, the you know, the executive level of the FBI just needs a complete house cleaning and the culture. But the rank and file are doing their job still, or trying but, to. But the rank and file. Yeah, the rank and, and we just had several of them up here who said that they couldn't do it anymore. They could they they couldn't, you know, they couldn't be weaponized against the, the very people that they're sworn to protect and defend. Um and so, you know, that, that there's a real dichotomy there. There's a real, you know, issue with, hey, do do we try and wipe this thing completely clean or do we try and just remove the level of you know, the head of this snake um that no longer you know, um, protects our, 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 our bill of rights, our constitution, our freedoms, you know? And so those are questions that we're going to have to work through in the future. But, um, 
yeah, I think that you're going to see more of the same from the Freedom Caucus. Yeah, there's no doubt. The one consistent body in Congress, it, it has never wavered on its priorities or its values. And sometimes that makes other people wins because they want compromise or they want to make something simpler. But holding the line is often the way that real change begins to occur. And so, Congressman, it's a great honor to have you on the show. We covered so much ground. I know you're how busy you are, but I want to say thank you for taking that time and getting us a lot wiser on what lies ahead for this great country. Thank you, John. Always appreciate the opportunity. Same here, my friend. And we'll talk to you real soon. All right, folks, we're going to stay with the Freedom Caucus for another segment. Congressman Scott Perry talked to Amanda Head and I last night. We're going to play that interview for you once we get back from this commercial break. An important word from our sponsors, our advertisers, and our partners. Folks, Field of Greens is the healthiest thing I do every day. And I want you on this journey with me. Why? It's literally one scoop a day. It tastes great. I love the fruit flavors particularly, and it's completely improved my life and my health. This is nutrition the way nature intended. When I began taking a hard look at why I wasn't feeling good and why I felt unhealthy, why I was gaining weight, why I was losing energy, it wasn't just because I had hit my 50s. No, it was because I wasn't getting the right amount of fruit and vegetables in my diet. And listen, it's, I'm just too busy to go to the store, clean up the vegetables, cook a, a vegetable dinners, and make sure I hit the fruit. A field of greens stepped in. One scoop of powder in my drink or on my eggs in the morning, and boom, I was off and feeling better. And suddenly, I was losing weight. I was sleeping better. My metabolism went up. My blood sugar went down. My cholesterol went down, and my weight went down. And my doctor said, hey, whatever you're doing, keep it doing. You know what that is? It's Field of Greens. That's what I've been doing. Field of Greens is radically different. Each organic fruit and vegetable was medically chosen to support heart and vital organ health. I trust Field of Greens to keep me healthy. I promise you, you're going to love this product. But if for any reason you don't, they'll give you 100% money back guarantee. Now, you're going to get 15% off your first order plus free rush shipping because of the incredible partnership we have here at Just the News with Brick. House Nutrition, and, of course, Field of Greens. All you got to do to take advantage of this offer, visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Don't wait. Go to fieldofgreens.com today. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS for 15% off. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out. Higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation, and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold, and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it, with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friend, who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group. Text Just News to 989898 right now. One of the most important voices of fiscal sanity in all of Congress joins us right now, Congressman Scott Perry from the great state of Pennsylvania. Congressman, honored to have you on the show again. Well, John and Amanda, it's great to be with you. And of course, it's uh, a busy time in Washington, D.C. And 
it, uh, we, we wish we weren't having this situation, but here it is, and we've got to deal with it as it comes. Absolutely. There's so much to talk about. And I want to get to that uh, debt ceiling in just a second, but there was a little bit of news that Congressman James Comer broke just as we opened the show. The FBI right. formally telling Congress, you're not going to get that memo. He's ready to go to contempt. Your thoughts on Chris Ray's unwillingness to work with Congress? Well, he needs to be held in contempt, um, obviously. The, the the documents don't belong to the FBI. They belong to the American people along with the truth. And uh, it's been long time that the FBI has overstepped its bounds and its authority. We, we never constructed the Stasi or the secret police in the United States of America, but that's apparently who they think they are. And, uh, you know, look, unfortunately, we can't uh, press charges, but we certainly can refer charges. And, and if he shows up, on the on Capitol Hill, if he shows up in the House chamber, he, he can certainly end up in the brig here. So, look, I think those are harsh words, but um, but we just can't have this defiance that the, the information, as we understand it, is not classified. Right. Uh, we don't know of any ongoing investigations where it would make a difference and in investigations that last for years and years um, while they while they essentially wait till the statute of limitations run out and that type of thing cannot be allowed. And unfortunately, they now have a track record, a verifiable track record of those kind of things. So, uh, look, you know, heavy is the head that wears the crown. He's the guy at the top of the agency. Uh, either he needs to comply or there needs to be severe consequences. The most the most extreme confident, uh, consequences that uh, that the legislative body can provide for. That's what needs to happen with an individual like him, who's defiant about the truth that the American people uh, deserve and own. Yeah, I think defiance is the perfect word for that. Mr. Chairman, I want to switch gears to the news over the weekend. There are more and more Republicans coming out opposing this debt ceiling negotiation. Um, But Speaker McCarthy seems confident that he's going to be able to get it passed. I wonder if that's because he thinks that he can count on some Democrats to come over. But I wanted to ask you about that aspect specifically, because I think back in January during the negotiations for Speaker McCarthy to take that position, that was one of the stipulations regarding bills of this import. Yeah, that's uh, that's exactly right. We want unanimity on the rules committee. Apparently, that's not going to be there. But um, look, you know, uh, apparently the speaker wants the bill. They think it's he thinks it's a good bill. We do not. As members find out more and more about it, I think that they're coming around to the realization that this is not, this is not, uh, you know, uh, uh, this is not good legislation. And and I certainly am happy to go through with you some of the uh, particulars. Yeah, please do, sir. You did such a great job at the press conference, Ted. But I think for those who didn't get a chance to see it, give us some of those highlights where uh, not only the Freedom Caucus but the American people are let down in this deal. Well, here's the situation. Uh, Republicans were elected in the House of Representatives to stop the Biden agenda, not underwrite it with uh, the funding from the American tax dollar. And that's exactly what we're doing. The president had said in January that he would not negotiate a debt ceiling and that he wanted a clean raise. And essentially what they have right now is an unlimited debt ceiling. There's no limit to it. It just goes to uh, 2025. Now, this is a little inside baseball. It goes to the end of the lame duck session. So let's say we have a new president, whether that's a President Trump or President DeSantis or Ramaswamy or somebody. 
They're, what they're going to have right before they get inaugurated right now is uh, Janet Yellen determining the debt ceiling and uh, and the current makeup of the House and Senate determining what happens with that, taking them out of the fight completely. But not that notwithstanding, John, we told people the first bill we passed in the House was yep. to end this 87,000 new IRS agents to punish the American people, especially working poor and minorities. And when we had a chance to defund it, which is now uh, $80 billion, what we said, what the speaker negotiated was taking $1.4 billion away. Well, $1.4 from $80 billion, and they have $80 billion right now. The IRS has $80 billion on top of what they get every single year, which is about $9 billion. They can use the uh, $78.6 billion they have left after this bill passes to do whatever they want to. Well, that's not what the American people wanted. The uh, p- the president uh, offered loan forgiveness to all these college students. Uh, many of them are, are graduate students. And, of course, most Americans don't have student loan debt. Um, and he offered to forgive it for them. Uh, we didn't address that at all. Like none. There's zero. It's just going to continue unabated. I mean, it's issue after issue after issue. The COVID money that we were supposed to rescind, well, guess what, John? They took some of it, not all of it, right? They left some of it in the agencies. They took it, but they didn't send it back to the Treasury right. to, to pay down the debt. They kept it to spend later. Well, who does something like that? Yeah. Yes, sir. <laughs> Mr. Chairman, the issue of spending in Washington has been a conversation in perpetuity, but it seems like COVID ushered in an era of, of extreme irresponsible spending. One of my p- favorite political authors, uh, spoke to this and said it was basically like giving a teenage boy the keys to a car and a bottle of whiskey. This seems like because of COVID and the spending during COVID, Washington has been given the keys to a 67 Stingray and a handle of Jack Daniels. Oh, my. Well, I think you're probably that's a, a good characterization. Think of it this way. We were spending about four and a half trillion prior to COVID. And of course, nobody thought that the government wasn't wasting their money then. Then COVID happened. That was immediately ratcheted up to six and a half trillion. Now COVID's over and they want to spend, you know, near seven, seven trillion every single year. So we're spending two, two and a half trillion more a year for what? COVID's over yet. They just want to they want that to make that the new normal. And of course, if Republicans agree to this, that's exactly that's exactly what happens. I mean, look, we put the RAINS Act in there in this bill. Um, and the, the limit save grow bill because we didn't want the regulators to continue to do what they're doing without right. some accountability. They're not elected officials, but they, you know, they ban your gas stove, they ban your car, they do whatever they want to. All right, folks, when we come back, AMAC Wednesday, Andy Mangione, Senior Executive Vice President for AMAC's Action Arm, the Grassroots Arm. He's going to join us. Remember, it's AMAC Wednesday. If you want to join AMAC and match my five-year membership at the Association for Mature American Citizens, go to amac.us slash justnews. We'll describe that a little bit more while we're talking with Andy Mangione. All the benefits of membership are very impressive. We'll be right back after these messages. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. 
Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. You know what Wednesday is. It's AMAC Wednesday, one of the great opportunities for us to have a conversation with our friends at the Association for Mature American Citizens. They're one of the most influential voices in all of Washington, representing the interests of seniors, but really representing the interest of all Americans. And as of late, they've been working on many bipartisan things that are actually gaining traction in both parties of Congress. One of those is probably something you haven't heard, but once you do, I know you're going to like it. It's called the Patient Act. It's a bill that requires hospitals to disclose their prices in a readable format so patients can shop for the best price and the best services. What a novel idea. Well, AMAC has put its muscle behind this bill from the very beginning. It is gaining significant bipartisan traction. Highly likely it'll get through Congress and be signed by the president later this year. It's a pretty big deal. Joining us now to describe how AMAC is making a difference on this and so many other things, the senior vice president of AMAC Action, our good friend, Andy Mangione. Andy, great to have you back on. Thanks for having me, John. Always great to be here. This is pretty a rare moment. There are so few times that you look out and say, wow, there's bipartisan agreement in Washington. Something broke out. But this is one of those, the Promoting Access to Treatments and Increasing Extremely Needed Transparency Act, the Patient Act. Tell us why this is so important, what it'll do for all of us. Well, you know, I think it's important to point out that the groundwork for this was laid actually by President Trump. He shepherded price transparency while he was still in office with a rule that's called the Federal Price Transparency Rule. What it mandated was that hospitals have to post in a readable format because patients didn't go to medical school, but they're certainly not stupid people, but they have to post in a readable format the prices of what's known as shoppable services. These are medical services that you schedule in advance, physical therapy, uh, joint and hip replacements, things that you can take your time or you have, you have some time to schedule. And uh, so this became the, the, the law or the rule was implemented January 1, 2021. But AMAC Action is working with an organization called Patient Rights Advocate, and they have studied the largest hospital systems in the nation to determine compliance with this rule. And as of February, which is when they posted their data, less than 25% of the nation's largest hospital systems are compliant with the federal price transparency rule, which is why we need the Patient Act. So what does the Patient Act do? It, uh, it mandates that these hospitals, uh, have a, they, they must make standard charges for all items and services public through machine-readable files as well as payer-specific negotiated prices. Those are the, when I say payer, that's what the insurance company pays. So the bottom line is that you're going to have a super-educated healthcare consumer, i.e. the patient, when they go to search for pricing for a health procedure they have to have that they can schedule in advance. And I'll take it a step further, if I can, John. I don't know if you wanted to uh, jump in here, but I can take it a step further. Please. What you're going to have are hospitals competing with each other. And what do you think that's going to do to the price? It's going to drive it down. This is what we wanted. And this is, this is what the Patient Act does. It does a couple of other things as well that we can get to in a second. But this is why it's so important. Our members, AMAC members from day one, 
of course, everybody pays too much for medical services. Of course, everybody pays too much for drugs. Can we understand that? Uh, this is not the end-all, be-all, but this kind of bill has been sailing through Congress. Uh, the last vote was bipartisan, 49 to nothing out of committee in the House. All right, and it's led by Kathy McMorris Rogers and Frank Pallone. Uh, you've got a Republican and a Democrat on this bill. So this is, it's, I mean, it, it, you know, given the climate that we're in today with regard to how divided Washington is, when you're looking at a, a bill like this, we've got people on, on both sides of the aisle. And AMAC Action has been involved in price transparency for years. And we're not the only group. As I mentioned, we're working with a great organization, Patient Rights Advocate. They've been involved as well, too. But, uh, you know, this, this coalition, this concerted effort, uh, you know, we have been, uh, you know, activating our members to the point where uh, we're going to be working with Patients Rights Advocate to activate our membership to get their member of Congress to co-sponsor this bill. So there are things that we're laying out to, to, to continue to shepherd this bill along, you know, through the halls of Congress. Do you have a sense of the time track that it's on? From people I've talked to, this could get done this summer, right? It's on a, it's on a sort of fast track, isn't it? It is. It is. I mean, and, and the fact that it's been sailing through committee unopposed is a great sign. So you never know with Washington. You know as well as I do, John, <laughs> anything can happen. But uh, the, the timeline certainly looks favorable for, you know, something relatively quick uh, to happen. That's unusual for bipartisanship to happen quickly, but it clearly is such a good idea. And it basically, just like someone would go to shop for a car or appliance or, you know, other big items, you, when you have something that's a scheduled medical event, you'll have that ability to shop, get the best price, check out the options. And this is so different than most of our healthcare experiences. A lot of times we're just, you go to the doctor and you get what you get from the doctor, but this would really transform the customer choice, right? Basically the customer drives into the driver's seat of this one. Well, John, think of how it would empower patients to take more control over their healthcare. And with that more control, with that high level of interest in their own healthcare, think about the better outcomes uh, this will generate. You're looking at uh, giving patients the information they need, they've been clamoring for, and then letting them make an educated decision. And that gets them more involved in their own health care. And people will take better care of themselves when they're more involved. Yeah. Yeah, there's no doubt. In fact, studies show that the more involved and also recovery and other, when you're more involved in the treatment, you do well even in recovery compared to people who don't have really a feeling that they're in charge of their medical. So there's studies that have shown that as well, which I think is so powerful. You have this extraordinary organization, two, two, two and a half million strong AMAC. What are some of the things that AMAC members, particularly AMAC action members, can do over the next few uh, months to make sure their lawmakers know where they stand and also to make sure that President Biden would sign this should it get to his desk? Oh, I tell you, we, we are set up and we are plugged in and we are so grateful that our members are uh, so engaged. So we have spent a lot of time educating our members on this issue and they're, they are fluent in it. So what we're going to be doing is working with the membership at large. Now, we activate the membership in states throughout the country, and we do uh, activate the membership at large on big issues like this one. And keep in mind, our members want us involved in this issue. They tell us this is what they want us to be doing. So the engagement level is commensurate with their instruction for us to advocate on this issue. So what we're going to be doing is putting together a call to action. We'll be reaching out to our members to have them contact their a member of Congress, and we do it in a very easy way. Usually we use email, we also use phone calls, but we found that, uh, you know, we, we've built together a list of over 350,000 AMAC members who have participated in our call to action campaigns. 
So we usually go to that list first. But on an issue like this, it, it, I mean, healthcare affects everybody. And, you know, AMAC members as well as, you know, other folks as well. So we're going to go to the entire membership. And with a click of a button, uh, we make it very easy. They can, uh, they, they have a screen that pre-populates with who their member of Congress is based on their zip code. Uh, there is usually a pre-populated message. And they click send. And it, it gives a salutation, dear Congressman Solomon, and, you know, signs your constituent, Andy. And uh, it's very, very effective. We have found, just to give an example about how engaged our members have been, since we started using the software, our members have sent over one and a half million messages to members of Congress, to President Biden, to uh, President Trump, to and state legislatures throughout the country. So, I mean, that's, that's you know, since we started using this. So, I mean, we, we, we do anticipate, you know, five to six figures worth of, of messages being sent, depending on the timing and when we send them, whether they get the campaign up. But, you know, we're very confident. And again, it's our members that, that are carrying the water here. They're the ones that make us look good. It's their voice that's being heard in Washington. And AMAC Action is happy to facilitate that voice. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable to watch what happens to you. I, I've been in this town a long time. And when citizens speak, when citizens engage, it's amazing how quickly their elected leaders react and, and get into action. A lot of times people drag their feet, but not in this scenario here. Once you see your constituents activated, boy, it, it does get people moving in a very a very positive way. I want to pivot to another topic that AMAC has been doing such a great job on, because it's both an education process and then an engagement process with state and federal lawmakers. The ESG movement moving all across this extraordinary country and it scared a lot of people because all of a sudden investment funds are putting a priority, an ideological priority and ahead of their obligation to get you the best return on investment. So if you've got a pension, they may be willing or to sacrifice some of your potential earnings to achieve some sort of ideological thing. You had a great column on the AMAC site in the last few days from Steve Moore, the former Trump economist, founder of the Committee to Unleash Prosperity, one of the most important economic voices. This is a real concern for people that are trying to save for retirement, isn't it? Not only for people that are currently saving, John, but for people that are currently on that fixed income, depending on invested money, you know, for their quality of life. Look, you know, the American dream, a comfortable, secure retirement. All right. You work hard, put your, you know, put your pennies away, you raise your kids, you put them through school, and then it's time for the golden years. And, uh, and, and we've always grown up. Look, I went to business school. Okay. I'm not the only one. And what is the first rule of business? Maximize shareholder wealth. That's it. And ESG is antithetical to that. You've got investment houses that are bowing and trying to push societal changes through investments. And these aren't necessarily the ones that are going to maximize shareholder wealth. You're looking at an agenda that's being pushed. And it really does threaten uh, people's savings that they currently have. All right. And people that are currently saving. Uh, And we're, you know, this is why we love, you know, putting information out, you know, from Steve Moore and working with organizations of like the Committee to Unleash Prosperity to educate people. Uh, You know, you put your faith in in a a financial planner and it's usually somebody that has a long term relationship, but their actions are being dictated by who they work for. This is a real threat to retiree security and to future retirees financial security. 
Yeah, no, that is such an important point. And um, a lot of people just heard the initials and it sounds like alphabet soup, but this is a real threat to your bottom line, particularly if you're already retired or you're getting ready for retirement like me and you're preparing. And the last thing you want is an investment manager putting his, his or her political priorities ahead of your best opportunity to make a return on investment. It's uh, It's mind boggling and it's really against the fiduciary responsibilities that have been ingrained in our economic and banking system for a long time. When you look out over the horizon, Andy, what are some of the states? Obviously, Washington is in split government, so not a whole lot's getting done. The Patient Act obviously will be one of those exceptions to the rule. But what are some of the states that are fighting federal overreach with such success? Obviously, West Virginia has done some big lawsuits. They keep winning at the Supreme Court on regulatory authority. Other states that you look at and say, you know what? There's some great models here, and AMAC is engaging with them. Well, you know, we... (laughs) I like to see what's going on in states like Texas, you know, and, and Texas always has a, you know, I, I, I've been to Texas. I'm not from Texas. I can't say that I am a Texan. But the one thing that, that, that really warms my heart with regard to Texas is that they've been a country before. <laughs> okay, They've been a republic. They know how to do it. And right now, um, it's funny you mentioned that they are considering it. I don't know if it's going to pass this session. And they're in session, I think, every two years. Okay. Um, and right now, this is this is um, it's it's a model that might be uh, looked at by other states like Florida. They're looking at a way to fight back against what is known as the war on cash, which is the effort to eliminate cash transactions, all right, and create the potential for the feds to track and even control consumer spending. So they've got a couple of bills that would create state issued gold back digital security. So what that means is that Texans would be able to purchase digital gold currency from the state and then uh, use the money to purchase gold that that would be held in the Texas Bullion Depository, and individuals will be able to exchange their dollars for gold, and they'd be using their debit card. And what this does is empower states to have their own currency, which is not illegal. I see trends like that, and and, and Ron DeSantis in in Florida, I'm told, is taking a look at this. This this not only is a hedge against inflation, but it, it, it kind of breaks up the Fed's monopoly. So you know, we talk about bucking a trend. I think that would be a pretty big one, John. Yeah, no, that is. And that's novel. I mean, these, one of the great things is that when states are run well, they become laboratories for great ideas of democracy and a constitutional republic. And I think the last few years, we've seen so many novel ideas coming out of the states while Washington fumbles along. The states are finding ways for efficiency to also fighting back the creeping reach of the federal government into our lives. Obviously, the stoves, the gas stoves, a big issue around town now. Um, what are you looking for? The election, the election season's kicking in. I want to just wrap up with this big question. Election season's kicking in. Uh, there's going to be a lot of candidates on the Republican side. Joe Biden seems right now that he's in a, going to be in a head-to-head with uh, Bobby Kennedy. What are some of the issues that AMAC hopes bubbles up on the campaign trail so that there's a really good discussion, a really good debate, and the compass is set for the 2024 election and what follows it? Border security. The, the influx of people, I mean, you lie in bed and you hear the airplanes flying over your house. People are realizing that uh, these uh, uh, people that are entering the country illegally are being distributed to states throughout the country. All of a sudden, at least you know I, where I live, I'm seeing all, all kinds of high housing being built. And it's not like we're experiencing a massive influx of people coming to where I live. Uh, I can only draw the conclusion that it's to house these people that are being distributed throughout the state. People are worried about that impact on jobs and the impact on 
the rule of law, as well as you know keeping the community safe. So uh, I, I'd say that it, you know when we when we talk to our people, uh, there's many issues that they're concerned with, but we've seen that immigration issue come up consistently. Yeah. Yeah, that is a big one. And in border security is national security. We think of all that. We just had Brandon Judd, the head of the Border Patrol Agents Union, saying that more than 100 people with terrorist ties stopped under Joe Biden. It's an all-time historic high. And with the gotaways, the number could be double or triple that, which means that bad people have already gotten across that border. It's just so frightening to think that it's so easy to get in this country and do bad things right now. It's really, really remarkable. Andy, you guys have created such a great partnership with Just the News and John Solomon Reports, the podcast. I'm, I'm so grateful for it. I joined as a five-year member. It is absolutely the best bargain you're going to make this year. You get incredible discounts on services, on products. You get incredible daily intelligence, just like the stuff that Andy's been sharing with us now, folks. Uh, you get this on a daily basis. There's an incredible podcast with Rebecca Weber. It is a community. It isn't just a service. It's a community. You benefit. You get paid back from it very quickly just on the discount savings. I pulled it out recently when I took a trip to Philadelphia for a hotel. I saved big on the hotel. But the idea that you can join the AMAC Army, you can be part of things like getting the Patient Act done so that our lives are better, our medical choices are better, that's one of the other great rewards that comes with it. And AMAC has set up a remarkable opportunity. You're going to get a discount on a one, three, or five-year membership if you just go to amac.us, A-M-A-C, amac.us slash just news. You go there, you're going to get a discount. I want to challenge you to match me. I, I went in for five years. This is the best investment I made in the last year. I'm excited. It is a game changer for me. I check on my AMAC site almost every day now. You should do the same. Match me on the five years. It's a bargain, and the return on investment will be way better than anything you've, you've done in a long time. Uh, go to amac.us slash news right now to do that. Andy, any thoughts from someone who's been impressed today? They're getting excited about AMAC. What's something that they don't know that they'll get? as a benefit just by joining the AMAC family? Well, we've got a wonderful magazine that comes out that, uh, and, an, and a news app uh, that people are consistently turning to to find the news that they're looking for. But the magazine is a tremendous asset. I think we're in our 16th year of publishing it, and the, and the feedback that we get from it, it comes out every other month, has been consistently wonderful. You're going to read things in there and read not only news stories, but commentary that you can't find anywhere else. And people really, really enjoy that magazine. It's called the AMAC magazine. Yeah, man, the thought leadership in it and the writers in it are great. Like I mentioned just the, uh, the other day, Steve Moore weighing in on ESG. That's the sort of highbrow, high-quality thinkers that AMAC has uh, and offers to you folks every day. So go check it out, amac.us slash justnews. It's a winning relationship. Go join it and, and get involved. Hey, match me on a five-year membership. I'd be forever thankful. Andy, we love what you're doing. We're going to keep a real close eye on the Patient Act. That's going to be a big one and a win for all of us who have. All of us are medical customers. That's a big deal. We always appreciate when you come on. We walk away a lot smarter. Thank you, John. My pleasure. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. Hey, if you want to stay part of the AMAC family and join and be as inspired as I was when I was talking to 
Andy Mangione, about the Patient Act, about all the other things that AMAC is standing firm on and their values and organizing support. Well, you can join AMAC. Go to amac.us slash justnews, amac.us slash justnews, amac.us slash justnews. You're going to get a discount. Match me on my five-year membership. It's the best bargain. It'll pay for itself with some of the savings you're going to get on products and services and hotels and travel. And then after that, everything else is frosting on the cake. Incredible podcasts, political news, political intelligence, analysis, and opportunities to work with people of like-minded values to make this country better. Go to amac.us slash justnews to get started and you get a discount on your membership. Match me on the five-year membership. I challenge you to do that. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Justin News. We're so grateful you can join us. want to say thank you to AMAC for making AMAC Wednesday as fun as always. And of course, Congressman Eli Crane, one of the first freshmen to oppose Kevin McCarthy and Congressman Scott Perry, the chairman of the House Freedom Caucus, some very strong words on the state of the budget deal working its way through Congress today. We'll have STEM to STEM coverage on that at justthenews.com or on the Just the News app. Go to the iPhone or Android stores and get signed up and download that app. It's a great way to read, watch, and listen to our incredible content. All right, folks, that wraps it up. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So, You can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now.